Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church. My name is Stephanie Schaefer here with the PMB and two of our lovely guests. We've got Pastor Fredo Ramos and Pastor yep. Adam Atchison. Mm-hmm. And you guys have been helping Pastor Matt prep the series that we just started right now. Can you guys talk some about Invited and what it is we're doing for the next few weeks here at Sandals Church as we get ready for Christmas? Yeah, go ahead. What's yeah, so Invited is the idea of letting our church and our people know who we are and what we do. And so uh, we, we want to be up front with, with, in a church that's all about being real. We don't want to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. We want to let you know what, what you're getting into, in a sense, uh, what we expect of people who call Sandals Church home, um, the exciting things that God is doing. And so we started off this week, obviously, with um, h- how we look to leaders and the qualifications biblically for leaders um, and, and what you can entrust yourself to with, with leadership in the church at Sandals uh, based on First Timothy. Three, so. Yeah. And I would just add kind of to your intro from this last sermon that it's not so much that we've invited God into our lives, but he's really inviting us into his, yeah. into his story. And that's kind of the nature of Jesus's life and ministry, inviting people to know him and follow him. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, absolutely. And so when we were talking about how to open, there was a couple reasons that I picked the passage to open that we did, but really when we got down to verses, I think it was 13 through 15 or it was 11 through 13, I can't remember in, in uh, 1 Timothy 3. He says, so that you may teach people how to act in the household of God. And so we just want to just be reminded that we're being invited to God's house. And so I think we get, the churches become very unhealthy and dysfunctional when we think about them in terms of, this is my church. And it's like, well, wait a minute, this is his church. This is his house. This is his rules. And I think all of us can get confused. We can get uh, kind of self-centered, narcissistic rather than Christ-centric on what the purpose and the role of the church is. And we just need to be reminded that the leader's purpose is to remind us of our purpose. That so, so we got to make sure that we get the right leader. Otherwise, the church is going to do whatever the church wants. Mm. And that's not always the best thing, especially in a culture today that demands, you know, God do things our way rather than the, the biblical God who demands that we do things his way. So he's inviting us into that. And I thought our church responded uh, really, really well this weekend. And I thought it was uh, a great opening um, my voice is really tired this morning, so I'm going to let you guys do some more of the talking. I haven't had a sore like vo- vocal cords in a while, so I'm. Mm-hmm. My wife said that I'm becoming very John Bevere-ish. so Lisa Bevere's husband. So he's like he's kind of a yeller. So mm-hmm. John, if you're ever listening, I apologize for that. I've never <laughs> actually met John like face to face, but love you, love your book, love your <laughs> wife. She's awesome. So okay. well, and people have sent in a lot of really great questions oh. from this week's sermon, which I was really excited about. Yeah, confusing messages help stimulate <laughs> great questions. <laughs> uh, we do have one quick follow-up from last week, though, uh, from Spencer, who says that on last week's episode about worship, Pastor Matt mentioned that if you want to serve God, you'll be sacrificing every weekend. I agree with this, but what are your thoughts on having breaks in serving church in order to serve your family? I want to give God my everything through serving in the church, but I know that leaving family in the dust to do that, especially during seasons when I'm needed a lot at home, doesn't make sense. What does the Bible say about the balance of serving in ministry and serving at home? Well, the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about balance. What it says is six days you shall work, one day you rest and devote that to God. And so I would even say this. So I hear people say this, and I'm sure you guys hear this all the time. Like how many hours are you asking to serve? I mean, I I don't think it's a lot. And so I think if you're so busy that you just can't find time to greet, you can't find time to get in a group, you can't find time to, to give God an hour or two on a day that's fully devoted to him, I think that's a problem. And I think in our culture, what I really would encourage you to do is let's look at every other area of your life mm-hmm. first. So, so let, let's let's take a magnifying glass to the six days that you're working. And let's look at that before we talk about, well, I need to take a break from God. And so what we can't do is, Lord, I've been disobedient in six days. So now I need to be disobedient, disobedient to you in the one day. And I think, don't you guys agree at Sandals? I think we care about the lives of our people and we don't want to overburden them. And so some of the things that we're, we're asking people to do and I just think we live in a culture. I mean, you're you're a coach right now for your 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 son's yeah. soccer team, so you know how frustrating it is to get parents to participate. And no, but our culture is not a participatory culture. We're not a service oriented culture anymore, and that's something that's changed. And it's it's I think it's changed as we've moved further and further away from a Judeo Christian ethic. We just our, our time is our time, and we we need to make sure that we're saying, okay, hey, I, I'm I'm a part of my church, and so I'm. I'm attending, I'm serving, and I'm giving. And so what I would say is I would find, I mean, obviously there are seasons, um, like you and your wife just recently had a little kid. You know, you guys have four kids and, and you 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 have 
I don't know if I can say this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have a kid on the way. So <laughs> too late now. Yeah. I was like, whoa, we're going to edit that out of the show. Um, there, obviously there are seasons. I mean, you know, I'm not expecting Stephanie to serve. You do check-in, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to be like, hey, Stephanie, you had that baby uh, six days ago. Let's get back to check-in. I, that's that's a, a, a realistic thing. But I see people all the time take a year off. Oh, I'm taking a year. I'm like, sure. what is going on? So I would just say, let's, let's and, and invite. So this weekend we said invite other people into your life. Let's invite some other people who care about God and aren't going to tell you what you want to hear, but we need to hear. And let's look at your life. What are you doing? And I'm constantly convicted of things I need to eliminate in my life, especially in terms of television. You and I were talking about the Mandarin. Mm. Like I'm like, so you got Mandalorian. Me all, Mandalorian. Yeah. You got me all fired up about that show. You know, the new Disney streaming mm-hmm. channel. And, you know, Fredo's like going to distract me from my quiet time and from the Lord. And I was just like, I don't know. But <laughs> you're doing that to him. Yeah, you were yeah, doing that, that to you. me. So it's not me. <laughs> but, you know, I, I want to watch that. But, okay, so what am I going to eliminate? Yeah. And so I think most of us, and I, we're all pastors here, um, you know, Stephanie, uh, you're in ministry. The first thing people eliminate is God and they expect God to understand that. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I would say from a practical standpoint, most of the teams that we ask people to serve on last a service. Yeah. And so we're, we're asking for, when, when it comes to joining a team and being a part of serving the church, it's really about an hour and a half. Yeah. The one exception is is our worship and production teams that, yeah. that you know, I, I came from East Valley and uh, for a time we, we had five services every weekend. We have five services at Hunter Park. And so that commitment's a whole lot more. That spans two days. I mean, you're talking on average about 12 hours. Yeah. And so that's, that's a different kind of deal with, with our production team, for instance. Uh, we were wanting to build those teams to where it was a rotation of about every third week because they're putting in a whole lot more yeah. than a lot of the other teams. Yeah. And so um, I actually think I might know who Spencer is and um, and he uh, he does serve on uh, on our worship team at East Valley and he's got some young kids. And so I, I do think that he's uh, on the other end of the spectrum, not, not the cultural problem where right. nobody's doing anything or they check out for a year or whatever. Some of us um, are more apt to over-serve, and there is an extreme there. Um, if you're familiar with our Enneagram series, if you're a high two, yeah. uh, you're going to say yes to a lot. And so the the, the discipline of, of bringing some balance in is knowing that for every yes, I need to I need to find out where the no's are as well. So Yeah. And we would never ask our church members to serve in a way that would lead to unhealth yeah, exactly. at, at home. Like the, the assumption is that you're able to pour out something that you already possess. Um, and then secondly, I feel like the, the invitation to serve is really an opportunity for you to grow in Christ-likeness and mm-hmm. for you to meet people at church, for you to uh, practice what we're trying to practice together as a church. And mm-hmm. you touched on this a second ago. We're not a really heavy programmatic church. No. Like we don't have something every day of the week. Which is intentional. Yeah, which yeah. is intentional so that you can you can gather once a week with your church family and then be in groups and then also offer yourselves for about an hour or so mm-hmm. during the weekend. Mm-hmm. and. So yeah, I love what you said in terms of let's examine the rest of the week and consider what are some other things that can be adjusted or allow other people to speak into it and see, man, I could really let go of these five hours of just kind of uselessness or I'm just squandering it in entertainment or whatever it is. Sure. So Yeah, I think even organizationally, um, there are certain rhythms where, for, for instance, during the summer, we're, we're, we kind of slow some things down a little bit. We're, we're aware that, that families are, you know, with kids are out of school and there's vacations and things like that. So we're not like, it's not, we're not redlining yeah. 365 days. Like, ah, you got, you, we, we're going to create this unhealthy environment where we're demanding and, and, and things like that. Um, and so, you know, at Sandals Church, I mean, coming back to even as a segue maybe to pastoral leadership, we are very much, um, interested in our in our first ministry being our family. Yeah. And, and I don't yeah. think that that, I mean, a lot of people say that, um, but time and time again, I've seen examples at Sandals Church where if something is out of balance or there's a season where somebody needs to back off for the, for the sake of their marriage or, the, or their family or something's going on at home, there's a lot of grace and a lot of freedom to do that. So mm-hmm. that principle that, that a lot of people know and even maybe speak, I, I re- think we re- do a really good job of living that out and pr- creating that kind of yeah. space. Yeah. While at the same time asking for a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, those, those, it's a list of 15 qualifications. And so um, it is a high calling and there are high expectations, um, but n- nothing that I think leads you know to, to an environment where unhealth is going to happen. Yeah. So, so Spencer, thank you, you know, for serving. I don't know who Spencer is. Most people are not doing what you're doing. And there are ministries that take up enormous amounts of time and there are seasons. 
there are seasons where you, where you can do that and you can't do that. And we've even had this like with, um, you know, I think of specifically, uh, you know, your friends, the Bogan Wrights, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Andrew's wife was one of our, our campus worship leaders. And she just came and said, look, this is a season where I need to be, you know, devoted to my boys. And I can't do this, even though she feels called, you know, cause she has her boys for a season. And she said, I'm still going to serve, but I'm going to reduce. And so I think a lot of times people fall into this, well, either can or I can't come in and talk to us and just say, hey, mm-hmm. I need a reduced role for a period of time. I want to continue my connection because here's my concern. So you stop serving, you, you, you stop connecting. And then before you know it, you're not in church. And that's kind of the movement. Sure. And so maintain context because a lot of people get hurt when maybe they, they, they stop showing up and they stop serving. They say, well, I haven't heard from anybody. Listen, let me just help you out. This took me a lot of time to realize everybody's treading water. <laughs> Mm. everybody's treading water. And so if we don't naturally bump into each other, uh, like the three of us meet on Mondays when we can, and we like we get paid to do this. And even that's a struggle mm. to all get there and make it happen. And the truth is, if we stop for whatever reason, talking about sermon series together, that's gonna impact our relationships and our connectedness. Sure. Your Our relationship has changed yeah. um, since you got married and started to have all these thousands of children. Um, <laughs> okay, so, 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 so there, there are seasons, right? I mean, you yeah. and I do not see each other and connect mm-hmm. with each other the way that we did at one time. And so um, the thing is, is how do I maintain connection with the church? Because again, I hear this all the time. I don't know anybody, I have to sit alone. Well, are you in group? Are you, in, are you on a team? And it's mm-hmm. usually no, no. And then it's God's fault or the church's fault. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, suspense, love you, pray through that. Yeah. That was a yeah. lot of advice for one question. <laughs> yeah, and if you're, it, I, I think the biggest question is, if you're gonna take a break, are you using that break right. to mm-hmm. actually invest right. in what yeah. needs, yeah. What, why you need the break in the first place? Yeah. And so I think a lot of times I need a break to your point and that extra hour and a half, or you know, if it's worship or production, you know, 10, 12 hours on the weekend, it's not quite as much for a lot of our campuses that only have two services. Mm-hmm. But man, are, are you actually gonna spend time with your wife and your kids when mm-hmm. you take a break? Or are yeah. you just gonna check out and get lazy and yeah. have me time? Which all? is actually hard to do if, if you're in an unhealthy marriage or relationship. Like, man, you wanna, you wanna not know what to do with yourself. Go spend a whole day with a spouse you haven't been connecting with. You're just gonna be like oh, staring man. at each other because what you need to say is, hey, let's let's have a good five minute conversation. Hmm. Let's put our phones down for five minutes and let's talk, and let's work our way up to ten minutes, and then let's, you know, some of Tammy, Tammy and I's biggest uh, fights have been on vacation because we haven't been spending time right. together, we haven't been connecting, and now we're staring at each other for seven days on a beach, and you're like, okay, this is this is not working. There's a lot of accumulation. Yeah, there's a lot of accumulation there. What we really need to do is instead of saying, sure. oh, we need a vacation, we really need a date night where. We're gonna we're gonna talk for an hour. Yeah, and and movies is not date night unless you go and talk about the movie afterwards. Right. So so I think movies are okay if you know, yeah. but but you got to connect. And so I would say look for small moments to connect. And again, just like you guys have parents, I want to spend my whole day with my kid at Disneyland. Well, you're gonna want to beat your kid at some point. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe Preach. yeah maybe you say we're well, we're gonna go for an hour. Somebody else's kids maybe. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, yeah. that was, wow, this, well, this show's think, already going all over the place. Well, I was just thinking too, like, even on the, like, choosing a season, to be aware of maybe when that season's ending, because, like, we did that when Ruth was born, we had been serving and checking guest services at uh, Fredo's campus, actually, and then we took some time off when she was born, and it's been about a year, I'm realizing now, that we haven't hmm. been serving, and I feel the lack of connection with the campus. I feel that, even though I work here, I'm involved here, but the involvement matters, yes. and it's mm-hmm. easy to let a lot more time than you plan go by. Like we're like I'm investing my family, we're doing all those things, but I'm realizing that there's such a lack of connection because I didn't realize, oh, it's been a it's been a year since we've served regularly yeah. and that has affected us. Yeah. And we're seeing yeah. that we're starting to talk about how to get back involved, how to get that back into the rotation of our life, because it's hard once you get out of it to step back in because you yeah. don't realize that all of a sudden you're like, Oh, we have this extra time. Isn't this nice? Yeah. We can fill it with whatever we want and we do. And I think relationships develop the most naturally or organically around a common mm-hmm. task. Mm-hmm. Like if we just mm-hmm. sat in a room and we're like, let's get to know each other. Oh. Tell me your story. Like, uh, what? like where, where do you, yeah. but, but when you're working alongside, you're serving on a team with somebody and there's a common task and it's, it's regular on, on a weekly sort of rhythm. It just lends itself to mm-hmm. these conversations that happen um, that, that aren't forced, that aren't awkward. I mean, if it's, if it's a problem with our, with our spouses for a day, Right, you know, like imagine strangers, but when you're when you're doing something together and you're focused on a common task, I think it just it's a natural environment for mm-hmm. relationships. Yeah. yeah, 
Well, cool. So let's move in. We've got a lot of great questions just about um, becoming a pastor, the role of a pastor specifically. So we'll start off with Thomas, who says, I've been a Christian for over two years now. And after my first year, I seem to be getting confirmation from others that I should be a pastor because they say I have a heart for people. I don't feel yet ready to pursue this yet as I'm in the stage of healing and self-discovery. And God has been doing some amazing things in my life. However, should I take some realistic steps to know if this is what God is leading me to do and look into possibly seminary or rogo school? Or should I continue on and accept that this may not be the, the time for me yet? Yeah, I would say this. If, if God's called you, the time is now. So the, the last thing I would say to do is to is to push God's call away. I can't tell you how many I'll run into guys 56 years old and they said, yeah, there was a season where I felt like I was called to ministry and then these things happened. And, uh, you know, I just think about Peter. You know, Jesus is standing on the shore once and he's saying, come and follow me. And what happens if, well, Peter, and Jesus actually says, the guy says, well, let me go bury my father. It's another guy. And Jesus is like, man, let the dead bury the dead. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these reasons. And so what I would say is quickly start moving towards that and start, um, you know, meeting with pastors. So I think there's there's two calls. There's the call of God on your life. Then there's the call of the church to affirm the call of God on your life. Mm-hmm. Those two things work together. And you have to have two calls. You have to have the call of God that you've heard and you have to have the call of the church that says, yes, we agree that this is what you're called to do. Because otherwise anybody can just raise their hand and say, yeah, you know, I heard God. Well, crazy people hear God. So we want to make sure that we can validate what God is saying. And that, that's just so important uh, together. And I would say, you know, get in one of these campuses, get in a ministry, get connected and start serving today. And then eventually, you know, because if you come into Rogo school and you apply for Rogo school and you say, I'm not serving, I'm not attending, I'm not connecting. I'm guessing we're not picking you. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you're a part of the, pro, I'm not a part of the yeah, picking you, process. We want to be able to see some tangible expression. Right. Because I do think that the way in which God calls people is through their ordinary way of living and serving or working, whatever right. it is. You know, Gideon was called doing what he was doing. Peter was called while he was fishing, right? And so if you're not already in uh, a context where you're able to serve and do something, yeah then it, I think it would cause us to kind of ask a little bit deeper yeah. questions. Like, are, is this something that you actually want to do? Yeah, we don't want to so. invest in people who aren't invested. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that that's huge because we want to make sure that like, all, you know, all three of us, we only have so much time. We're just like Spencer, right? We're trying to manage families, sure. trying to have healthy marriages, trying to serve God. It's a waste of our time to invest our time in people that aren't then investing it in people. And so we're we're just at that level where we have to be we have to be investing in leaders. And here's how you know if you're a leader. Are people listening to you and following you? Yeah. And if no one is, I get newsflash, you're not a leader. Like you're taking a walk. That's what you're doing. And so we want to we want to pour into people that are pouring into people. And so when they come to you, Fredo, and they say, Yeah, I've always feel like I'm I'm a leader, I'm called to, you know, to serve God and they're not leading anybody and they're not serving God, you're gonna say what? Yeah. That actually happened yesterday. I met with okay. a guy um, and he was really curious about Rogo and maybe what next steps were for him. And I just told him, is there a burden that you have? Is there a mm-hmm. vision that you have that you feel like God is calling you into? And if there is, I think it'll it'll start to haunt you. Like you said to the mm-hmm. individual, yeah. don't sit on this. Don't wait. Yeah. You know, you, you need to respond because one of the most painful places to be, I think, is to be in a place of disobedience mm-hmm. and not responding to what God's called you to step into. Yeah, and I think that that's precisely the purpose of Rogo School. Like, we created it so that someone who is sorting that out and discerning this call on their own life, but may not be ready to fully step into something formally Mm. or, or, you know, vocationally to be paid by a church in a specific role, that's what it's for, you know? Uh, And and throughout that process, you're going to, you know, the community, the church will, will sort of vet out this call and help affirm it or redirect it into mm. a different area. Um, and, and so that's that's really the the purpose behind it. And so um, it, it's not just I'm called, yes, we think you're called, okay, plug plug in, you mm-hmm. know um, because we want we want our leaders to be equipped um, and resourced and and uh, trained to to do the work of God. so yeah. Great question. Yeah. So this next question comes in from Avery. It says, over the past two years, I've felt a clear calling to be a pastor, even though I'm only 17. As I take this long journey of preparing for what for what God has called and commanded me to do, what advice do you have for me as a young man in our world today? Yeah, I would just say, and I think I know who this Avery is. <laughs> I think one of, us will be, one of us will be really quiet on the panel. Um, here's what I would say, Avery, is I, is I think we all affirm already that there's a call in your life and we happen oh, yeah. to know who you are. So let's not pretend that we don't know who this person is. What I would say is just slow your roll a little bit. Give yourself some time to get some experience. Your church loves you. 
we're willing to wait for you as you develop. We're behind you. I think one of the things, um, if I could go back and talk to Matt pre-30, mm-hmm. a lot of people, like they feel like turning 30 as you got old. I couldn't wait to get to 30 because I just felt like as a pastor, the biggest inhibitor to my ministry was my age. Mm-hmm. I felt like people, wow. um, you know, just kept invalidating me. Well, cause you don't know anything yet. And you're, you know, one day you'll learn and you'll change. And so I was so excited to get to 30 and, and really, I think looking so forward to being 30, I really missed out on what God was trying to say in my twenties. And that's just the unhealth of the three, right? We're always forward thinking and not present or reflective. And that's what I would say to you, Avery, is I would just say, slow down. Um, just like you're, you're, you're 17, you're, you're growing, you're going to make some mistakes. You're not who God has called you to be yet. And, and if you want God to honor where he's called you, you got to let him honor you. You know, you got to honor God with where you are mm-hmm. and just sit in that and say, okay, God, I'm going to slow this down. And uh, Tammy and I were in Boston and we were walking around together and I, I, just as an unhealthy three, you know, I'm so, I'm so busy getting where I'm going that I'm not looking where I'm at. And Tammy and I walked around and Boston is just one of the most incredible, beautiful cities I've ever seen. I'm almost 50 years old, never been. And so we just went and we're always so busy getting someplace that we didn't see where we were. And one day we we just had nothing to do and we're walking and we're just kind of meandering. And I just heard God say, the best way to change your point of view is to change your pace and just slow down and look wow. around and say, wow. And we just started, we just took a walk through, you know, a housing development that's 200 years old, you know, and we just walked on cobblestone streets and mm. we didn't, you know, and it just was like to slow down. That's what I'd say, Avery, just slow down a little bit. You're not a guy that I would have to say, speed it up. Some people need to hear the other. Mm. It's like, hey, right. Change your pace goes either way. You can sure. slow it down or right. you can pick it up. And so uh, I think a lot of times we're discouraged as leaders because of where God has us and just say, okay, God, I, I, I want to honor you where I'm here. You know, Jesus spent most of his life in Nazareth and the Bible says, what good comes from Nazareth? Well, the savior of the world. Mm. And I think a lot of us feel like, um, you know, God can't, God can't do anything with where I'm at. And, and it's so funny, you know, we're at such an odd stage in Sandals Church right now. I get this, I get this phone call today and I'm like, I don't recognize this number. So I do what I do when I don't recognize the number. I let it go to voicemail, but I was curious because it was a strange area code and it's his pastor. I've been following for 25 years. I have no idea how you got my phone number. Well, then he told me, he said, oh, I talked to so-and-so and they know you and, and they say you're great. I want to meet you. And I've been watching this guy in obscurity for 20 years. You know, I mean, I love Riverside. Riverside's not a cool city to live in. It's, it's not New York. <laughs> it's not LA. You know, it's not even Orange County, but it's where God has me. Mm. And I've been sitting here saying, what, you know, God, I want, I want to, I feel like I have, I, I'm called to have more of a platform than I had. And God said, stay. And now these people, I, I told him, I said, I've been to your church 10 times. He's like, really? Yeah. My wife and I, we've been to your church 10 times and he's calling me when, when God was ready. Mm. You know, it's just, it's just a bizarre thing. And so Avery, I would just say, listen to those of us who had, had, to, had to wait a little bit. You know, Fredo's a little young to totally process that. But, you know, just wait, trust God where you are. I can't tell you, you know, how, how much obedience and, and blessing comes from just sitting where you are. Mm-hmm. And um, like I recruited you, yeah. like you were you were you were a teacher, um, you know, teaching uh, high school Bible, and I said, hey, I want to go to lunch or coffee, and um, and I just said, I, w- I want you to think about you weren't even attending Sandals Church, I don't think. No, I wasn't. Yeah, you were still no. in sin. Yeah, just lost. <laughs> <laughs> so now actually, you were attending both of our friends' church, and he's a great yeah. guy. You were actually a co co planter of that church, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in L.A. and so. I just said, hey, Fredo, I see this in you. And, and you, weren't, you weren't looking for that, but yeah. the Lord found you. And I think that there's so much, you know, the world says you got to make a name for yourself. And this is, this is one of the things that blows my mind, especially nowadays where people have these social media platforms that are, I'm just like, oh, how yeah. many followers Man. do you have? Mm-hmm. And then I look at their church and it's like, mini, I mean, I'm just like, and it's because I'm just doing ministry. I'm just trusting, right, like, right. and these guys, and I just think, oh my gosh, I wouldn't want to have that much social media pressure and that little ministry. Yeah. It's completely upside down. And, you know, you can get caught up in that every, I would just say, slow down. You got, you got men and women who love you at this church and affirm you. And I would just say, let, cause he's in a rush, right? Yeah. He's in a rush to grow up. I mean, Avery, you've been 18 since you were four. Right. So slow, <laughs> slow your roll. It's true. It is. It's, I mean, it's Pastor slow. Adam's son, just yeah. for those who yeah. don't. Yeah. Slow <laughs> your roll and, and just know that 
you, you don't just need to trust God. And so, you know, I, I tell people this when they're called to Sandals Church, and people don't realize this, but there's really, there's more than one call to work at Sandals Church. The first is a call to God. The second is a call to Sandals Church, like to the mission and vision of church. And then the third is a call to me. And so, and a lot of people get that confused. Well, I'm just called to serve God. Well, God's called us all to serve alongside or with someone. And so Avery, that's what I would say is, is as God's calling you at Sandals, listen to me. Listen to the people that are around you. Listen to the people that God's called you to, because we're going to help you figure this out. And ministry all by yourself is the worst way to go. Yeah. I mean, I just wish that I, you know, Tammy and I, what we love so much about Sandals today is it's, it's, it's becoming what we needed 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, awesome. and we didn't have that. You know, we yeah. didn't, we didn't have, let's say Tammy yeah. and I get in a huge fight and I, I cuss at her or something, which I've done, you know? So think about it. I'm going to preach on Sunday morning and I just mm-hmm. say, you, you know, we didn't have any, we had to figure that out on our own. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you know, Fredo, you can call me like, dude, I just, I just said something to my wife. I can't, I can't believe. And, and we can come alongside and help you unpack that. And, and that is the beauty of Sandals Church. And, it, and not just Sandals, but Sandals is invested in Rogo. Like we're saying, we're going to say no. Think about that. We're saying no to our salaries. Those Rogo dollars, that's our potential bonuses, salaries, right? Uh, you know, benefits. We're saying no to that so we can say yes to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why churches get so dysfunctional mm-hmm. because they're so focused on now. And that's why we don't, we don't have anybody coming up next. So yeah. Avery... Slow your roll. You got any thoughts? Yeah, I, I think my role. This is, is pops, big pop. Is Avery's yeah. dad. Um, you know, he's we've recognized he's sort of a unique kid. Even you know, your your wife Tammy has been like, yeah, Avery doesn't count. Like, <laughs> I think you said the other I told day. You, yeah. Call me when your others come up. You know. Yeah. Um, and so you know, his story is very opposite of mine. I mean, he's recently finally settled into this calling because he actually there was some resistance and some processing. I was running the other direction like for 15 years of my life and from a calling that I probably knew deep down. And then I'll never forget the email that I sent to a handful of guys. I'm like, I've been like 93% in for too long. Like I'm all in like, but it took a, yeah. a long journey uh, for me to get there. But, uh, but the one thing, my, my role is, is Avery's dad when Avery gets affirmed all the time. I feel like I'm the needle in the balloon. I need to, I need to mm. and, and it's not, that, that sounds harsh. But I need to let the air out of you know as he's affirmed. Yeah, I, like I'm I'm watching out for for pride, and so I would say this. I said this to him last night. We had a, a dinner at our house uh, for the youth Rogo track. So we have a with Rogo School, this pipeline for leaders at Sandals Church. Uh, we have a, a, yo, a youth track that, that's very robust. It was our first time to really roll this out. So we're celebrating. Our executive pastor, Pastor Dan Zimbardi, was Avery's mentor this year. And he's being affirmed in these ways. And as soon as Avery was done, I was not trying to rain on his parade, but I just said, I'm sitting right behind him. He's in the couch. I'm behind him. He's not even facing me. I said, humility precedes honor. Mm-hmm. Right? Just just remember that. If there was one verse that has uh, been the word of God to me in my role as a pastor at Sandals Church, it's been this. Humble yourself. Don't wait on God to humble you. That's a lot more painful. Oh, geez. Amen. Hum- humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up to a place of honor at the right time. Mm-hmm. And so my, I love the slow your roll, four going on 18. It's, you know, like, yeah. it's finally kind of getting there. He's an old soul. but um, so, so slow your roll and, and stay humble and, and do that work on yourself. Stay, humble yourself. Yeah. So yeah, I would just say to guys like Avery or even guys that are closer to my age range, because I'm kind of in between your son Avery and and you guys in age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of trained in seminary during a time where church platforms really, really got big. Right. And I felt like you were getting mixed messages in class because it's like, we don't we don't want this. Like, you don't want to kind of go down this path, but those are the kinds of people who are coming into chapel and speaking, yeah, right, sure. who had platforms. Mm. So it, it created this kind of uh, what I've heard an author call ecclesiastical porn, right? <laughs> or church porn where you... Yeah. Know, you think the spirit of God is working over there and you're tempted by that. Mm. And all you do mm. is look at what, what's going on over there at that mm-hmm. ministry or that platform or how big they're getting. And it creates, I think, a lot of unhealthy sure. temptation. And um, contrary to what you were saying, like you want to speed up, you know, you want to mm-hmm. go faster. And it could be so, so unhealthy for um, being um, content where you're at. You know, one thing I have to tell myself on Sunday mornings at Palm is the pastor the people in front of me mm-hmm. and not the people that I want to be there. You know, obviously mm-hmm. as a pastor, you want to see more and more people come to church. 
but you need to mm-hmm. pastor the people who are right in front of you, mm-hmm. who walked in, who are in the pew, um, and, and deal with them and mm-hmm. deal with how God wants to lead you in that way and, and not be thinking about all these other exciting things that are happening because they are, but you're not there right? and you're not them. Like you are right here, mm-hmm. you know? So, and I've loved your, your take on, on really being here in Riverside right. and calling mm-hmm. this like, man, I'm going to, this is our home. Yeah. This is the city I'm going to care for and lead. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just so important. Um, and I was convicted of that at an early age, you know, in seminary, you guys have heard me tell that story You know, I'm sitting in seminary, church planting is kind of the new thing in the nineties and everybody's going to all these really cool locations. And then the data shows that all the growth is in the Inland Empire. So, so some, some angel in heaven who's doing the calculating is getting it wrong. He's sending, you know, the angel is sending the Holy Spirit. Hey, you got to send all these people to the places where there's no growth, but this, you know, and I'm just like, okay, is, is the Holy Spirit wrong here? Or is it people that care more about where they're serving rather than who they're serving? And Tammy and I got, got convicted, man. And we left Huntington Beach. I mean, Huntington Beach is one of the coolest cities in the world to live in. But I don't want to live in Huntington Beach forever. I want to live with Jesus forever. And again, you put your yes on the map and you let you let God tell you where to go. Mm. You don't you don't tell God, I'll go here. That's no. man, you, you want to screw up your life, you give God directions. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So just, just for clarity, you yeah. still do have dibs on Sandals Church Maui? Because no. there's been some conversation. No, no, okay. no. <laughs> no. I'm feeling a call. <laughs> yeah, it sounds you? like it's I'm okay. Guys. A call. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Boy, they would think you're Hawaiian quick. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't it? I mean, you yeah, we'll get you a couple of tribal tattoos, bro. Yeah. You look good. Shocking. Yeah. Dude, you're like, he, he's like a cultural chameleon. You could go like multiple Greece, places. Oh, yeah. Italy. Greece. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Notice so- how he said nice locations. I was going to say a rock, but. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Get yeah. you a big okay. fat beard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so on the same topic of parents of children who feel they may be called uh, to be pastors. Danny wrote in and said, after coming home from Samuel's church summer camp, my 11 year old son said he might be interested in becoming a pastor. Wow. He said, or a Man, carpenter. Cool. I told him he could be both. Well, Jesus was both. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. He said, in addition to prayer, how else can his mom and I support him and help him discover if this is God's call for his life? Mm. So even on the earlier end, how can they help him? Yeah. I would just, I would just, re- Man, do you realize how rare it is for an 11 year old to come home from camp and say, I think God's call. I would say, I would bet your your kid heard from God. That's what I mean. That's what I, mean, I got. Look, I got goosebumps right now. I'm betting he heard from God, and I would I would so flourish that, and I would so flourish nourish. nourish there we go. I would so nourish that, and just so encourage him uh, in any way to start serving and and what that looks like. And here's what I would say to any young person who wants to serve God: If you want to serve God, the first thing that goes on the altar is your weekends. I think that's the idol. Mm. that you have to kill because everybody else is running around going to the movies, going to the mountains, going mm. to Vegas, going to the beach. Everybody else is having fun on the weekends and not that church isn't fun, but it's, it's, it's the altar and you cannot serve God. If you're going to hold on to your weekends, it does not work. That was conflict for Tammy and I. Um, and again, we didn't have, we didn't have somebody cause like her family planned all the birthdays on Sundays, mm. Sundays at 10 AM. That's a problem for a pastor. It just, um, you know, and some of that was, was, was wrong on her family's part. It was just, it was inconsiderate. And, and we worked through that and eventually they changed that. Um, and leading your family to Christ helps, uh, them to understand why that's, you know, that doesn't work. But, um, I would just say that's the first thing is if you're going to steward that, if, if, if God has spoken to your kid, I, th- I would say as a family, we're, we're going to sacrifice not all of our weekends, but a portion of our weekends. So we can steward this person. I mean, you think about, um, Jesus being lost, so a lot of people don't realize that, you know, you haven't lost your kid yet, have you? No. Have you guys lost uh, a kid I yet? Have, I have not. No. Yeah. Avery will not let me ever forget it. Yeah. No, it happens. <laughs> Dude, I've driven home from church. He was not at the temple. Yeah. I heard that story from and Madison. Janie, yeah. Janie called me. Uh, <laughs> we have a, we have a brown child and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to turn all the way around and go back and get my kid and just be humiliated in front of everybody. But Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. I mean, if you're going to not lose somebody, you don't want to lose Man. God's one and only yes. son, but they lost him and, and, and. You know, Jesus just said, didn't you know, mom, I would be about my father's business. And mm-hmm. and so this guy's 11. Jesus would have been right about that age. About 12 is what oh, the text yeah. says. So so at 12 years old, this young man is already being called. You know, you think about, uh, you know, uh, Hannah, you know, you think about those individuals bring, bring forth a child and say, God, this is yours. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and just know when a kid's called, think about Samson, right? That's the negative example. Samson's called, 
but mom and dad are a little tentative in leading that strong spirit. And he, you know, you want to make sure that they're just kids that are going to do great things for God or they're going to do great things for evil. And so you want, and I'm not saying that about their kid, but they're just some kids are going one way or the other. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, I love even just kind of the, I had goosebumps too a little bit and it wasn't this last summer camp, but the summer camp before we had a movement of God um, on the last night where there were 25 teenagers yeah. wow. who raised their hand and said, yeah, I'm feeling a move, a pull from God into full-time ministry. Mm. And, and that's so countercultural that I think just by default, we'd probably be like, yeah, there's something there, you know? And so at Sandals Church, um, it's it's Pastor Matt's desire that this isn't a, a one um like just a one generation kind of deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we, we would love, I mean, eventually we're growing old and, um, and we'd love to see this passed on to the next generation. And so it's really exciting. I'm not mm-hmm. sure of too many other places where this kind of thing is still happening. Um, where, where, where youth are, are seen and, and developed and believed in and, and nurtured, mm-hmm. um, to, to grow into leaders in the church. I mean, the classic youth, uh, sort of verse, in scripture is first Timothy four twelve, and it says, Don't let anyone despise you because of your youth, but be an example to all the believers in a number of areas, one of which is actually purity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like would the youth yeah. be the leaders, the examples in purity and yeah. in love and in, in in these different ways. And so um uh, you know, I, I think that as Paul's writing that to his mm-hmm. mentee, yeah. you know, he's saying, Hey, look, uh yeah, on the one hand you gotta you, you got to wait for the right time. You, you know, mm-hmm. God's going to provide that and he's going to open up doors. Um, but but don't think that it's too soon to begin stepping in mm-hmm. into leadership. And yeah, yeah I That's love the good. idea of looking to our That's young good. people. Even in the text too, right after he talks about his youthfulness, he mentions, this is how you now talk to widows. Mm-hmm. This is how you talk to elderly people, yeah. right? This is how you handle the married. This is how you handle the rich. Like So he's trying to empower him. Even though you're at this stage of life, you still have a voice to these different kinds yeah. of people in their age range, you know? And so such a, yeah, powerful mm-hmm. moment in the text. That's great. So Jennifer wrote in and said, you talked about a pastor being able to manage his household. And my son brought up a question. What happens when your child becomes old enough to have free will and do what they want? For example, you've taught them not to drink or do drugs, smoke or have sex, but they go away to college and do it all, ignoring what you've taught them. How can you be held accountable for their free will? Yeah. So I, I, I differentiate between adult children and, and children in the home. So, um, you know, all of my kids are still under my care, even though I have my oldest is almost 23. She still lives in my house. You know, she can't operate independently yet for me financially. And so I still have a lot of say in an adult's life. And that's just the reality. And um, and I'm just not one of those parents that's intimidated. You know, I mean, um, you know, we had my niece that used to live with us and she would say, when I'm 18, I'm gonna, and I'm like, you can do that now. You know, be free, you know, and, and so the kid's like, what, you know, what do I do with that? So I was, I'm not intimidated by, I'm going to do whatever I want. Cause right. None of us in this room can do whatever we right. want. Not I mean, without consequences. Yeah. <laughs> not without consequences or robbing somebody. Yeah. Um, and so, so what I would just say is, is I think, you know, pastors, you have to, you have to give them grace. Um, especially in situations where there's multiple children involved. I mean, the more kids you have, the higher the chance that one's going to because right, your attention is divided and that's just, that's just the case. And so I would just say, you have to, you have to give pastors grace too. What, what he really is getting at is a pastor who can't control his family. Is he, is he not managing his yeah. family well? Right. So, so you can't hold a pastor accountable if he has a kid who has mental illness, right? That's nobody, no, nobody can deal with that. You can't, you can't hold uh, I wouldn't hold a pastor accountable. Let's say uh, a- uh, Avery, your son plays football, gets concussion is given, um, uh, painkillers by uh, by a doctor, a well-meaning doctor, and he gets hooked. Right? You see what I'm saying? That's that. Those those things are very very different, and so we have to look at every situation individually, and you have to evaluate the entire situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, let's just say my wife goes nuts. She's mm-hmm. like, "I'm done. I'm out of here," and I, and we all agree. Like, so am I? Am I now disqualified because my wife has? like gone off the deep end midlife that happens. You can't, you have to look at every situation. What he's saying there is we should, we should all be able to look at and say, yes, this guy's done his part. Yeah. That's what he's done his part. He has not sinned. He has not been an heir. He has not been a poor leader of his family because things happen. Life, life happens. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't want one of you guys if, you know, your wife just said, I'm, I'm done Mm. to be like, so you're done. I mean, I, 
That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's giving Satan two victories. First your marriage and then your ministry. I mean, it's just sure. like, but a guy who's like, you know, is not listening to his wife, not, you know, not caring for her, not ministering. And because and, and some guys love their ministry more than their wife. Mm. That's a problem too. Yeah. So I would just say, you know, uh, and, and I don't think if, if, if parents have unruly children, I mean, that is a, there, you, for those of you who are single and you don't have kids, you just can't imagine the torment of having a kid that's, you know, struggling in that way. The person just doesn't have the capacity to lead the church. Because let me tell you, we got a church of what? We had 73,000 people check in during this series. We got a lot of people on the edge. <laughs> right. You don't have mental capacity for those people on the edge if you're on the edge. And that's what he's saying. So, I think too the the qualification Paul lays out implies that someone can look into your family situation, right? right? Mm -hmm. So if he's saying you need to be able to manage your household well, that's implying that you are authentic, real, mm -hmm. right? Opening up your life so that someone can examine to see that you're well, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's kind of important to mention. In addition to like, this is not for every single situation of someone. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got an unruly child or something like that. So Yeah, and, and having said that, just even as we've invited our church into um, honoring the position of the pastorate, um, and, and as even you're asking for grace, you know, um, I would want to speak to uh, how challenging it is to be a pastor's kid. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it, my, my mom was a, a pastor's kid, the oldest of four daughters, and... Um, it wasn't a great experience for yeah. her. Um, you know, you're 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 visible. It's it's the fishbowl kind of life, and and you know, one of the things that's sort of even a little bit surprising with Avery is uh, is you know, I I didn't want any of them to have any pressure. You've said this before yeah. too, right? To to be in my shadow or. Man, man, you you know Avery may be called to ministry, but the other three, man, give give your life's best to God if it's in the marketplace, yeah, sure, if yeah. it's wherever. Um, but uh, but you know there there are moments, not all the time, but where ministry calls us beyond our normal working hours and where we're pulled. I mean, my 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 third son uh, who's eleven, he will. <laughs> He will literally sometimes drag me away, like out, if I'm at a campus and I'm I'm a talker and I love people. So and he's hungry for lunch, and I'm I'm doing my job. This is yeah. like I, you know I'm a pastor. I gotta and he's like yeah, but it's one thirty and I haven't eaten lunch yet, you know. And so there's just that's a silly example, but yeah. um, there, there's uh, my heart goes out to pastors' kids, um, knowing that there there are challenges. Now at the end of the day, that pressure. They need to handle and, and be responsible for themselves and, and mm -hmm. not let that crack. And ho hopefully we can protect them from some of that. But, um, but yeah, just, just the grace of knowing that, you know, it's, it's enough to be enough of a challenge to, to lead the family of God and your, and your, you know, your place at home. So, yeah, yeah I would say that, you know, fame, um, undue attention is not good for anyone and children of pastors, and you wouldn't call them famous, but they're known mm -hmm. in ways that, they wouldn't normally be known. And so they face pressures that they wouldn't normally have. And so we all have to have grace for them. And, um, you know, I think Sandals is a healthy church now. We've not always been a healthy church. And my kids have been, unfortunately, the recipients of undue criticism and pain and suffering mm -hmm. because of, you know, decisions I've had to make. And so, you know, that, that part breaks my heart is that my kids have been um, hurt and wounded by dysfunctional people, staff I've had to let go. Mm. You know, you think about that. Um, you know, church is the one business where you're not just em employer employee, but your family. Mm. And so, I mean, you know, it's like uh, when you terminate an employee or an employee quits because they they don't like. I mean, it's like a it's like many divorces. And I think that's been the thing that I just has hurt has grieved me so bad for my kids. And this is the number one reason I think a lot of churches don't grow is because people don't deal with that. And at Sandals, mm. we deal with it head on, and yeah. we challenge staff. And, um, and some staff handle it and some stuff don't. And unfortunately my kids have been, been wounded by that. And that's been, I mean, I've had, I remember one night, you know, my, my daughter was in tears, you know, because of an issue we were having with a youth pastor, you know, she's in tears and it just broke my heart mm -hmm. because, you know, they, in their sin, right. We're in sinners did something that hurt my child, which they were not responsible for in any way. Mm -hmm. And, um, that, that, that broke my heart. So I think we all need to have a special love for our pastors and for their kids. And a lot of kids, uh, I know I felt this as a pastor's kid. I feel like I got to prove I'm not holier than thou. And so I went the other way mm -hmm. and I did a lot of things that I don't think I would have ever done 
but I felt like I had to prove that I was cool. Like I had street um, cred, you know, I'm like Kanye West. I got to prove I'm hardcore when everybody's like, dude, you got a mom and a dad went to Christian school, you know, right. <laughs> Did Kanye go to Christian school? I don't know why I'm looking at you. I'm not sure. I think he, he, he was, <laughs> he was raised sure. like upper middle class. So he's not like, he's like um, Jay-Z, yeah. you know. You know what I'm saying? You're not from the streets, but yeah, you try to act yeah, like you yeah, are. Yeah. And so I think a lot of pastors' kids feel that way. It's like, well, I'm going to act like I'm hardcore. Mm -hmm. You know, they're almost ashamed for being blessed. It's like, hey. Yeah. So, but we got to give them grace. Great questions. Yeah. Okay. So Michael wrote in and said, from the list of things that make a good pastor, I'm assuming he's referring to the verse from 1 Timothy 3 that you yeah. went over this weekend, which one, and I would love for each of you to answer this, which one would you say you're best at and why? And what one is your weakest? And how do you think you can become stronger in it? Yeah, you want to start with you? Yeah, so we actually had an opportunity. It was really interesting. Our executive pastor had led us. We had a pastor, a meeting of pastors, and independently of knowing that Pastor Matt was going to preach on First Timothy three, he led us through the passage. Yeah, uh, the Thursday. Yeah, the, describe, last, what, last, describe what I thought you guys had talked. No. Yeah. When I heard that he was going to do that, it's like, oh wow. So, yeah, so describe what happened. Though. Yeah. So he walked us through this passage, which he himself, Dan, Dan Zambardi, had uh, studied a bunch as he was discerning his own call years ago, uh, coming out of the marketplace um, and, and to lead our church organizationally um, alongside Pastor Matt. And he said he wanted to, he wanted to know, like for himself, like, am I, am I qualified? And really self-examine and reflect on that. And so he led us through the list and uh, gave us some time together, or sorry, alone to really look through it and almost self-evaluate. Hey, mm -hmm. um, you know, hopefully we can check all the boxes, but some we're, we're not as great at, at in the other as another. So we had this time of reflection and then we actually paired off with another pastor and just shared, man, here's, here's the one that kind of stings me a little bit, man, like I could grow in this area. And so um, we did not... Um, we didn't look as much as well, or like where we feel strong in. So I'd have to kind of refresh my memory on that. But for me, um, my, I, I have an addiction past and uh, some of you know about that, but the one that struck me uh, first was actually self-control mm -hmm. uh, because since we ran our Ironman, like I've checked out of like yeah. st staying in shape. I've gained about 20 pounds um, and I, I'm just out of rhythm, like just with just, physical disciplines. Um, I don't eat like horribly or, or a lot, um, in, mm. in that way, but I'm not good with like, like yesterday I got to dinner. I was like, I didn't eat lunch, you know, just, just making yeah. sure that I'm, um, that I'm self-controlled and that I'm not overindulging, um, and, and things like that. So for me at this, at this juncture in my life, I mean, there's been seasons where I've felt really disciplined, really in control of myself. Um, but that was the one that, that struck and just knowing I need to get back into a, a an exercise routine and, you know, uh, that kind of deal. Um, so yeah, mm. that was the one for me. How about you? I think for me, a big area where I would love to see more growth would be hospitality. Mm. Um, I'm just generally a more private person got a close circle of friends. You know, I, I don't need a lot of people in my life. And so the call to love strangers, mm -hmm. uh, the call to kind of see my yard and my space or wherever I'm at as a opportunity for others to step into is very much a challenge, mm -hmm. um, especially mm -hmm. when I'm at home. Um, I, I love when people are at church, I love being around them and stuff. And so that's certainly an area for me where I'd love to continue mm -hmm. to see more and more growth. So, mm. and I, I, we are pretty hospitable generally, yeah. but there are more areas where I know in my own heart that I'm, I'm wanting to see more come mm -hmm. out of that because there's, it's, it's way easier for me to just kind of be greedy with my time and yeah, space. Yeah. So, mm. what's your five score? Uh, pretty high. Yeah, very high. Okay. Yeah. I was like, well, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For those of you who don't know the enneagram, that's that's the core. The core sin of the five is just greedy, just with withholding. I think you're blessed, um, Fredo. Just people just like you. So they give you grace. It's like mm -hmm. you. You see, you have a personality. Like people are like, yeah, I like Fredo. Like I've never met nice. somebody who's like, you know who I can't stand? Fredo. <laughs> like I've, nobody's ever said that. Yeah. So you're, the, the Lord's given you an anointing. And I think that it's, um, it's the eye test I talked about. Yeah. People look at you and they go, yeah, okay, I can see that. And they, they just kind of, they just like you and follow you. And that's just God given, you know, gift. And that's just some of the things for those of you who are thinking, some of these things you just can't work at. The Lord gives. Like you can steward the gift, but you can't create the gift. You can't manufacture the gift. And, um, you know, and that's just the reality. Like, so when I was in seminary, the big thing in my seminary was we're going to build leaders. It's like, well, <laughs> good luck with that. Because pe people are like, yep or no, people decide. And you can work on leadership principles, you know, yeah. uh, 
and you can you can lead the people who have to go to work and look at you every day. You can become better at that. But a leader doesn't need to write a paycheck to get people to follow him. They just follow him. And so, mm-hmm. so that's what I'd say. Um, you know, and uh, and I think your gift is you, you are hospitable. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. what I see. Like you love people, and um, like you never met a stranger you didn't like. Like yeah. I mean, he tells stories about some homeless drug addict at two in the morning is knocking on his door. And like you and I, we're not answering the door. Yeah. Adam's like bringing them in, leading them to Jesus, you know, taking them to the jail or whatever you did. I'm just yeah. like, Turning okay. Them in. I, I ordered an Uber for her to yeah. go home, but I followed up with her the next day. I yeah. went to, into the ghetto of San Bernardino. Yeah. So if there's ever a story about some pastor being stabbed in the middle of the night, it's not going to be us. It's going to be Adam. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I think my gift is God has given me a communication gift. And I've had that I've had that since I was, I was little. The ability to relate... Um, topics to people and, um, uh, and to connect with various groups of people. Um, mm-hmm. there have been very, very su- few situations where I feel like I just can't connect or relate. Right. And so God, uh, God gives me an ability to connect and then to relate and to communicate. And, um, it's why we have Claude teach our, our preaching because he's really worked at it. I really didn't. God just, you know what I'm saying? God just, just gave it to me. And so I've, I'm not really good at helping people figure out how to do it for themselves. That's not my, that's not my gift. I just, I don't really think about it a lot. I just do what God's kind of given me. And so, um, you know, uh, was the next question what we have to work on? Yes. Or where you feel your weakest. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like I have an unhealthy relationship to loving strangers. I I get myself in situations where I feel like I should. So like, I I must have more one than I think. Mm. So I should do this. And so then what happens is I'm neglectful to my wife and my kids. Mm. So, um, I'm a talker too. And I can get I can get wrapped up in that and and not leave time. I've, I've my lowest score is five. Like I have uh, on the test that we took with the, with the counselor guys from Louisville, I was 0.4 percent five. Wow, I had two. Yeah, <laughs> it was terrible. My wife's like, "You have no wisdom." I was like, "I've been telling you that for years." <laughs> so. Good. Great, uh, great question. Whoever that was, who yeah, that was really Michael. Good. Well, and Michael. I think what it indicates uh, for pastors who may be listening is the importance of like the the qualifications listed here mm-hmm. at your ordination ceremony. F- fancy word for what the church does when they affirm that call. Yeah. Um, that that's a, a one time sort of event that's special and ceremonial or whatever. But you can disqualify yourself. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, so regular sort of check-ins with this passage and, and even by extension, not just pastors, but leaders in the church, volunteer or otherwise. This is a great list. I loved how you were able to take a list of qualifications for pastors and really even extend that to the mm-hmm. church this past weekend. So good. Um, so I- any one of us could go through here and be like, yeah, this is, this is also sort of what it's like to be a follower of Jesus, yeah. right? I want to be above reproach. Yeah. I want to have a good reputation with outsiders. I mean, and so um, just to just to encourage fairly regular self examination, yeah. like yeah. that question of yeah, okay, yeah. like this is an area I need to I need to up my game in. Yeah, and and that we should look at. I think we should look at leaders not with a critical eye, but we should have expectations. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I was talking with a pastor last night. You know, you know who we're talking about, and he 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 said this out loud. I feel like I'm a, in a fishbowl to be a pastor is to live in a fishbowl mm-hmm. and that's sucky, but it's also the calling. And, you know, we have, you know, 13,000 people in a week in the come to church. You get to go to your own home and you disappear and God knows what you do when you're a pastor, people are watching and people have a say into that. And I think that we need, we need to recognize that, that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the body of Christ needs a leader and the leader needs the body of Christ. And so we have to speak, to their life and we need to allow ourselves to be spoken to. And I think this person in particular that we're talking about has lived a fairly good Christian life, but is now in a position of pastor where there's 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 a new, a, new, a fresh look. Yeah. And it's saying, okay, now there's some things that we need to work on that, you know, you sit in the congregation, everybody's like, yeah, Fredo's a great guy. And we're not talking about Fredo, yeah. but, but now Fredo's a pastor and we're saying, okay, Fredo, You've been sitting in the pews and those things are fine. I need you to work on these issues. And these aren't, yeah. these are musts. Yeah. Um, you have to love, you have to love strangers. And I can tell you this, a lot of pastors in churches, the primary reason they don't grow is they don't have a love. Mm. They don't have a love for the, for the, for the lost people of their community. And um, a lot of pastors are professors and it's interesting intelligence, study habits mm. and wisdom are not mentioned. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. 
and and I, I would say one of the greatest inhibitors to um, a lot of guys' sermons, I don't feel like I'm smart enough. I want you to, now, you can't be an idiot, but it's not on that list. Hmm. Um, and, and James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God for it, and God will give it to you. Yeah. So it, it's just it's just really, really interesting. And so we talked in small group, what were you shocked that's not on that list? And wisdom and intelligence was the two things that I, but there are intelligences there. They're not sure. just book smart intelligences. Yeah. How yeah. you work with people, how do you lead your family? Like what he's saying is look at somebody's life. The degree doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just because you have a PhD, what if you suck with people? Yeah. Like you can't. Yeah. One, Which one, is a thing for sure. Yeah. Sure. Oh, dude. <laughs> one of the things we discussed in our pastor's meeting with this list is really all but one are not skill-based. Right. Yeah. It's character. Yeah. And so the, the one skill being able to teach, you know, sure there's, there's, we could label it a skill or an intelligence to be able to relate well or whatever, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's all it's another level. I mean, normal n- normal people mean not that pastors are abnormal, but if you're not a pastor, you know, um, you're not thinking twice about I'm buying a bottle of wine at Bevmo, right? Right? Yeah. Like I'm I need to be aware of those things. Right. You know, not, yeah. not that it's wrong for me to buy a bottle of wine to have with dinner or whatever, um, but if I'm in church after Sunday and we just went through a list of qualifications about not being a heavy drinker. And a member sees me buying a bottle of wine. Like I just need, not that I'm not going to buy the bottle of wine, but I'm thinking like there's a filter in place for me of right. like, man, as if I'm a leader, there's some, there's some liberties that I'm, I'm going to have to give up at times. Yeah. And e- even if it's to avoid a, a perception, like, am I willing to, to give up something to avoid a perception, uh, you know, that, yeah. that might lead someone that's following me astray. Yeah. Right. And so it's a, it's another level for sure. Yeah. All right. So as we wrap up today's episode, I just want to ask one final question. Just how can our debrief listeners be praying for each of you guys and our just the pastors mm-hmm. that lead Sandals Church? So as we're wrapping up, what, what can folks be praying for you guys for? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, and, and Paul talks about it, you know, he, he, he runs through this list of all the things that he's got going on in his life. And then he ends with, and on top of all of that, like, I mean, he talks about all the stresses, all the trials, all the worries. And then he ends with, and on top of that, I have the burden of the churches. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we, we run into people's lives when they're falling apart. And that's, that's a lot of work, you know, so firemen can relate, police officers can relate. It's why I'm so, I'm so hesitant to criticize police officers because we need them to do their job 100% perfect every time. And it's, you guys know, I mean, you, you've been in situations with the past where you're like, I was not okay. This is this is crazy, and 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 some situations are crazy. And police officers, in particular, you and I went through that training together, where Adam and I walk in this room, and this guy's just dropping f bombs, screaming at us, and just like whoa! It was a simulator. <laughs> it's a simulator, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so you're supposed to respond. Good yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just it's it's jarring, right? Yeah. And there there are situations in ministry where it's jarring, and yeah. and not that police officers don't make mistakes, and not that there aren't bad cops, absolutely, but it's just it's firemen, police officers. What what would be another job? counselors like medical professionals medical when you're seeing trauma when you when you when you swim in 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 the ocean of trauma you just have to have a a, a special appreciation for people who have to do that and unfortunately pastors right we swim in the sea of trauma people people don't say hey let's call fredo tonight because everything is fine no no news is good good news (laughs) yeah right so they're calling i'm learning that yeah they're calling fredo no one's emailing me we're okay yeah no no. so so we (laughs) so our interactions with people and that's why like i have a a a heart for past or for police because they're interacting with us at our worst Mm. and we want them to be at their best every time now they should and they should be trained or whatever but we know as you know, we had a situation this weekend at Hunter Park where one of our pastors went up to somebody and this person just, I mean, went to, you know, 11 on the Richter scale. And I'm like, okay, here's how we have to respond as pastors. And it's, man, it's a thing when somebody is hostile towards you and violent and angry. And we just read, you can't strike back. Mm-hmm. So how do we, how do we pray for our pastors that they de- that they deal with that? Mm-hmm. Because what a lot of guys do is they don't deal with it, uh, aggressively but they are passive aggressive they start drinking they get an addiction to porn like we all manage stress in some weird way and um so i would just say pray that we deal with our stress in a healthy way mm. and that we don't take it out on yeah. our spouses and i can just tell you early on you know tammy and i we get in these fights and this is real real but that's you know i'm gonna share it she's not here so but i got to go do counseling with you know and i, I remember this one night and this guy's having like four affairs he's sleeping with like four women and his wife's crying. Why won't you just have sex with me? 
And then I go home to my wife, whom I'm only having sex with. And she's mad at me because of where my underwear is. And I'm like, what? You know, and, and so I had a hard time relating. And it's, and, and what, what happens is, and I think this is what happens with cops. They deal with crazy people all the time. They have a hard time dealing in reality. Sure. The same thing happens to pastors. We're dealing with nutty, crazy situations and you come home and you have to, well, my underwear still needs to not be on the floor because it matters to her and it's gross, you know? Yeah. So I need, to, I need to pick that up. And I just, I had a hard time transitioning from trauma to, to my reality. Mm-hmm. And um, because, you know, my wife wasn't doing those things and she wasn't in those meetings and she doesn't know what that's like. And so I got to make sure that I'm, you know, operating with her where she is. And I think that that was really, really hard for me. And so I started, you know, on the way home, I'm praying, okay, Lord, help me to be attentive dad, you know, connected to my wife, you know, help me to do those things. And um, like last night was Ethan's bas- first basketball game. Mm. It was great. He scored 10. He scored 10. Nice. He did really well, hit some shots. They were pl- they were playing, you know, my, my son's little white kid goes to a little tiny school. They were playing La Sierra public school. So it's like a legit school and, you know, they were nervous, but he did great. And I was so proud of him. I was proud of the coach. And, um, but that was... Those those are the joys I think some pastors miss out on. They're yeah. so wrapped up in their yeah. work. I never looked at my phone. I was there the whole night, mm-hmm. you know, just watching. And, and I just thought this is one of the greatest. This is one of the greatest moments of my life, mm-hmm. just watching my son mm-hmm. play basketball. Yeah, cool. And uh, um, and it was great. You know, we actually our small group went with us. So, you know, our our community group was great. And then we went out to dinner afterwards. And and then I had to go. You know. I had to go do uh, an hour and a half ministry call, which, you know, you were aware of. So, I mean, literally, my, you know, we finished dinner at what, nine o'clock and I text you, I think 9.30 to 11. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I got to go do a, have a crap conversation, but it worked out okay. God was, mm-hmm. God was gracious and God was good. Um, and that's, that's the bizarre thing. And you got to learn to do that, right? So I got to be attentive to, I got to be attentive to my family and present knowing that I have a very difficult conversation afterwards. And, and my wife, right? So she's going to go to sleep without me because she knows I got to go have this difficult meeting. Yeah. And, um, and that's the thing. Don't you think that's the thing that's weird is ministry is ongoing, never ending. Yeah. Like so many people get to clock out. Yeah. And, um, you get texts randomly. Oh, dude, it's just weird. Yeah. And even if it's, even if you're not clocked in, right. Yeah. You're, oh, you're, dude, you're, you're yeah. still carrying. Mm-hmm. There's an, there's a subtle emotional and spiritual weight or burden that sure we can bear too much of yeah. and get unhealthy. Like that's for the Lord to, like yeah. his, his burdens light, get that. But, but it, there is a, a reality to the role that uh, I didn't understand until I experienced it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's just sort of hanging. Like it's, it's there in the background at any given time. And so, um, yeah, I would answer that question. And this is, this is a way you could pray for any Christian, but in particular for, for pastors, um, it's going to sound preachy, but that we would be grounded in who we are in Christ. Yeah, like that our identity would be would would be centered and grounded and unshakable. Because if we're looking for affirmation somewhere else, mm-hmm. we're going to get into some trouble, right? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna start wandering. Our our thoughts aren't going to be in the right place. Um, you know, just the, those truths of Scripture that we talk about that apart from Him we can do nothing. And so, are, are we personally? You know, walking with Jesus, um, are, are we grounded in our own relationship with Him? Are we practicing prayer and, and yeah. being in the Word and all of those things? Um, and so, because uh, that's that's it's not like we're we're like awesome at that either. Like that's yeah. that's a that's a challenge yeah. for pastors so too. Training, yeah. Huh? What's We're still training. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. My two, my two things would. Uh, be the presence you can pray that we would experience God's presence. Yeah, so yeah. along the lines mm-hmm. of, of what you were saying, um, I, ironically, you know, we work hard on a Sunday to help other people experience God's presence. And often at the times where we, where we may not experience that ourselves, right. you know, so I, I kind of find mm-hmm. it this irony on the weekend where we're trying to help usher people in um, to be awake and aware of mm-hmm. what he's doing in their life. And oftentimes like it, it could be lost yeah. on us, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the second thing would just be integrity. I mean, we're it's 2019, and it's it's crazy to think that I, I've read books from pastors who are no longer pastors right. because of a lack of integrity. Mm. Um, their families have fallen apart. You know, they're in affairs. They no longer believe certain things, and so uh, it, we're just starting to see. I think the negative ramifications of trying to, um, man create these platforms that are just not sustainable right you know where we were never i don't think god ever intended to brand pastors 
and and it's become a brand for a lot of mm-hmm. people and it's just it's just a scary place to be you know yeah. so yeah was, yeah I, I appreciated uh so we had staff meeting today and adam actually preached at it and um i appreciate more now being able to to hear messages mm-hmm. um and i got to get in the back and i was all by myself and just and be able to worship and not feel like somebody was watching me mm-hmm. um but be able to to get on my knees and 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 um you know because i'm not up next and so sitting there and then taking the Lord's Supper and um, that was really, really good for me. And, you know, we all, we all need the Lord. You know, my family's, we're going through it right now and um, we're waiting for a, a liver transplant for my mother-in-law and it's, we're at the hospital every day. And, um, and that's wearing, it's, it's wearing. Um, and, uh, and so that was good today. And that's the thing is, again, you know, I think Spencer going all the way back mm. The busy you are, the more you need God, because God is the setter of rhythms. Mm. And um, you know, I think of I think of like, you know, um, like when you hear a new song, it's just it's just got a, just a rhythm that's just it's just captivating. I think that's what the Holy Spirit is, right? When you're just with Him, it's just like everything is better. Yeah. When you're moving at the pace of God, you get ahead, you're in trouble. You yeah. get behind, you know, you're it's in good. trouble. And so I, I just think for me, it was so helpful today to just sit in worship and just, and just connect and, um, you know, to listen, I thought your message was great and, um, and, and appropriate because Adam preached on, you know, what are you worried about? What are you whining about? What was the other W? What do you want? What are you wanting? And it was all about just your job. So like you preached just to staff today and that was good. That was really, really good. And, um, and I appreciated that. So I would say one last thing, prayer that we get opportunities to rest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that, that we're, um, and our people have been great. Like, I, I mean, I know we are, we're a lot more mature as a church now. I think, um, you've probably experienced a lot more of this in the past, but just, um, people, most of our people are pretty reasonable and get that like, man, like God bless you on that weekend off. Like, yeah, yeah. sometimes even be at, to be asked, you know, Hey, are you, you know, have you had some time with the family right. or whatever? Yeah. You know, just we, we need the rest too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're working hard. I mean, and, and the rhythm is six six on, one day off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but sometimes there's there's those moments. I, I went, um, my, my dad's getting a little bit older or a lot. I mean, he's 73. He's, he's experiencing some heart th- things. And so about a month ago, um, we, we went up to a cabin in the mountains and it's off the grid. Mm-hmm. You know, no no cell reception, no Wi-Fi. The thing doesn't even have electricity. It runs on propane. Uh, Pastor Andrew's family has it, and they let us stay there, just my dad and my four mm-hmm. boys, because, I, I, like, I don't know how much longer we'll have with him. Um, he could give us another year. He could give us five, but it was just so refreshing. Right. And it was so, like, you come back refueled and ready to go at it again, and those moments last a long, they go a long way. Mm-hmm. And so just rest, is, I think, is another good one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank you for yeah. how you serve Samuel's yeah. Church and God here. So and thank you guys so much for all the great questions you sent in. We're going to keep mm-hmm. uh, going a few times more. Uh, got a couple more episodes left this year as we walk through the series. So if you have questions, please send those in at debrief.show. And we would love to get them on the show. Thanks, yeah. guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. Bless you.